Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Did everyone have good time with family, good uh, food, conversation? Good, good. I'm glad. Um, today's going to be very different. Um, obviously, as y'all, most of y'all know, uh, I have I've drew the army once a month. Uh, and some, sometimes, it's not the same week every month. It's not like the first Sunday or first weekend of every month. So, so this month, particularly, uh, I, had, I had drill at the end of, of November, and, then, and I've got it again next week in, in December. So we're left with this really weird Sunday in the middle. Um, and, and, and usually when I prepare my messages and my sermons, I like to have a little bit of continuity and a little bit of flow, and it's really... It's really hard to start a new series because we just ended with Genesis last week. And it's really hard to jump in and start a new series and then just be gone for a week. Um, and so what I thought we'd do a little bit different, I thought we'd take a minute today um, and have a conversation um, about where we are as a church and, and, and what we, how, how we read the Bible. Um, so two weeks, we're going to start our Exodus series. We're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going to read the entire book of Exodus between Christmas and Easter. And I don't know if you realize that or not, but, but Easter is in 18 weeks from Christmas. And, and if you take out my drill schedule, I've got 14 weeks of preaching. So we're going to go through 40 chapters in 14 weeks. Right, that's a lot of Bible. In fact, there's, it's gonna be, there's going to be some weeks where, where the, the scripture we have to read for that week is going to be so much that I'm not going to have time to read the whole thing. And so what, I, what I'm really hoping as a church, we can all kind of be reading together um, and kind of be prepared beforehand and be uh, at knowing what's going on in the story. Because there's going to be weeks where I've got to summarize. It's just, it, just, it just happens. And so in preparation for that, I thought it would be really good to have a conversation today about how, how do we read the Bible? Um, because we, we believe that this book is the Word of God, right? We believe that, that this book contains everything we need to know in order to be a Christian. We don't have traditions that we rely on. We don't have creeds that we rely on. Um, we don't have a denominational structure that we rely on. Everything we need is contained in this book. It's our core source. And so you can't just treat it like, like it's the latest side store novel, right? It's not the kind of book that you just read once and set to the side and disregard. Like this is a really, really important book. Um, you... You, this is the kind of book that you need to, to study and know inside and out and know like the back of your hand. And so what I, what I want to talk to you guys today about is this, is this method of reading Scripture deeper right? and getting a fuller understanding of, of what Scripture has to say. And specifically, I want to talk about reading the Bible like a pyramid. Okay? Okay. Um, I was inspired to, to have this idea of, of reading the Bible like a pyramid because we're going to be talking about Exodus, right? And we're going to be looking at the Israelites coming out of Egypt and, and pyramids and, and Egypt, and you kind of get the connection. And the idea of when you build a pyramid, right? Can you build a pyramid upside down? No. Because of the shape of it, you have to start at the base level and work your way up. You cannot start at the middle of the pyramid. You have a foundation that you lay, and you build it um, from the bottom up. And so we're going to have, I'm going to kind of lay out some tips, some guidelines, some, some ideas on, on how to really dive into Scripture, study God's Word, and know it, and understand it, not just, not just read it. Um, and so rule number one for reading your Bible is, is read your Bible. Um, that, that might seem a little self-explanatory, right? you, you got to read the thing. But what I mean by that is this, this story that we're given has a broad story to it, right? I know it's broken up into different books, but there's a broad narrative over it. And at the most basic level, you've got to understand the big picture of the Bible, 
right? So any passage you read, anything, you, and I'm sorry, I keep looking over here because there's more people. I'm not trying to ignore y'all. Sorry. Um, any passage you read in Scripture, you've got to kind of have an understanding of where it fits in the broad story, right? You can't just take parts of Scripture out of context without knowing where they are, where they fit. Um, but what, what the problem with that is, is this book is not always linear, right? Have you ever noticed that? It doesn't always tell the story in the timeline all the way through. It gets kind of confusing, yeah, yeah. So like if you started in Genesis, right, and you're going to read the entire Bible cover to cover, you're going to get to a point right around First uh, and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings where you're going to read this grand story of the rise and fall of the kingdom of Israel, right? And all these kings and all of this stuff that happens. And then you're going to get to the next couple of chapters, next couple of books, First and Second Chronicles, and you're going to read the same story again. And, and if you don't realize that the Bible is not linear, you, it's going to get wonky in the timeline, and you're not going to understand what's going on. And so it helps to know, for example, like 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings were written almost like a running history, right? In, in the palace by the, the court officials, as things were happening, you would have, have the priests and the, the officials and all of the people who were involved in the kingdom would be writing things down. And eventually that got collaborated into a history of the people of Israel. And so that's how it was written, kind of flowing as it happened. But then when you get to Chronicles, what happened was after the Israelites had been taken into captivity, and then they came back, and they had to rebuild the temple, um, the religious leaders and the priests realized that the people had forgotten all of that stuff that they had been told before. And so they rewrote the history in order to inspire the people to rebuild the temple. <coughs> um, and so you have these two different accounts about the rise and the fall of the kingdom of Israel, but they're told in different ways for different reasons. And if you don't know the whole story of the Bible, you're not going to know that. You're not going to catch on those little details. Um, kind of like how in the Gospels, right? We have four different accounts of the Gospel, the same story told four different ways for four different reasons. And that's why you're being told those four different accounts of the same story. But then, to make things even more difficult, so we get past Chronicles, and we have all of these Psalms, and these Proverbs, and all of these prophets, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and all of that stuff. And all of those were written in between the chapters of Samuel, and Kings, and Chronicles. Right? It's not like all of this stuff in Samuel and Kings and Chronicles happened and then a whole bunch of prophets came along. No, these prophets were kind of in the middle first. And so what I kind of wanted to share with you all today are a couple of different resources that maybe can help you read the Bible better and understand um, how that timeline works and all of that kind of stuff. So the first one here, um, which I think is a really good one if you guys are putting stuff on your Christmas list, um, it, this is called the Chronological Bible. I don't know if you can see that or not. Um, this is a really, really cool Bible. Um, it's available. You can buy it. I don't see how much it says. It's like 15 bucks. Um, if you're an app person, if you have the Bible app, it's available as a reading plan. Or if you like books, you can actually buy this as a book. Um, and what it does is it takes the Bible and it rearranges all of those stories and puts them in order. Which is a oh I heard somebody say ooh I want that good, good. Yeah. so it's a really cool resource because it, it does that work for you and it it legitimately takes Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and it takes this account and this account and puts them like this and then it fits the Psalms and the prophets and all of those stories where they belong in the history you can read it as one grand narrative. Um, which is a really, which is a really cool idea. Uh, another good one that, and I forgot to put a picture of that one up. And I have a copy of this. If anybody ever wants to borrow it, 
You can write it down. That's called the story. Um, it's not a Bible per se, um, but it's just called the story. And what it does is it takes parts of Scripture. It takes the narrative parts of Scripture and, and kind of uses that plus summaries and takes the entire story of the Bible and it condenses it into like a book, like a novel format. Um, my Bible with my font, and I've got big font to preach from, is like 2,000 pages. Um, this book called The Story is like three or 400, right? So it gives you the, the broad sweeping rundown of the story of the Bible. It doesn't have chapters. It doesn't have verses. It reads like a novel. Um, so maybe if, if you're somebody who's wanting to read the entire Bible, which I recommend everybody needs to read the Bible cover to cover at least once in their life, um, but if that's intimidating to you, there's resources like that that kind of give you the, the Cliff Notes version to get your feet wet, and then you can jump in and read the entire Bible cover to cover. Um, and so once you do that, once you have the, the grand story of the Bible, the 30,000-foot airplane view kind of figured out, then you can really actually dive down and start studying parts of Scripture. And so as we're building on our pyramid, the next level um, of our pyramid is what I like to call the, the literal level, right? This is what the Bible actually says. And again, this one's kind of self-explanatory. Um, but this is when you're reading scripture and you read that Moses was tending sheep and he found a bush and there was a flame inside the bush, then that means... Moses was tending sheep, and he found a bush, and there was a flame inside the bush, right? Um, you're just kind of trying to understand what happened in the story. This is your who, what, when, where, why way of reading Scripture, which, which sounds simple until you realize that there's a lot of background information that might be helpful for you to know when you're reading the Scripture, Right? You're going to need to know a little bit of what's going on. You, you, I mean, first of all, who's Moses? Like, you got to know who this guy is. Um, he, was a, he was tending sheep. It might be helpful to know what life was like for a shepherd back in those days, right? What did they eat? What did they wear? Where did they travel? All of these things, these little details that the Bible expects you to know in order to understand the story. Um, maps? Right? Where, where was Moses when he was when he found the burning bush? Anybody remember? It wasn't Sinai. It was because he fled. He fled. He fled from Egypt into Midian. All right. Without turning to that little map in the back of your Bible, can anybody tell me where Midian is? Extra points for anybody who knows where Midian is. Far East? It's, it's in the Middle East. Yeah. Somewhere in the Israel area. Yeah, so it's, it's modern-day Saudi Arabia, by the way, if anybody wants to know. So these are the kind of things that it might be helpful to know. Where is Midian in relation to Egypt? How far away was it? Right? Um, so a really good resource that I recommend everybody own at least one good study Bible. Right? Nothing crazy, nothing fancy, nothing super expensive. Just a study Bible that gives you those basic details, right? That's got a couple of maps, maybe a couple of explanations on the original languages, stuff like that. Um, there's a couple of good ones that I want to recommend um, if, you're, if you're wanting to get a study Bible. Um, these two here. So the one on the right is that blue one. That's called the Faith Life Study Bible. Um, that's a really good one. I use that one a lot. Um, both of these are available, by the way, if, if you want to buy a book, book, and they're both available for free as apps if you're an app person. Um, I know not everybody's an app person, but um, I wanted to make sure that I was sharing resources with you guys that were not looking expensive. Um, I'll get to the black one. I'll get there. You guys think all excited. What is that one? Um, so that Faith Life Study Bible is a really good one. Um, I recommend. And then the other one on the black one is called the NET Bible, N-E-T. Um, this thing is 
amazing. This is, uh, here, let me see if the picture shows up. I don't know if you can see that picture or not. I kind of highlighted it. This is the net Bible. See the blue square? That's the Bible text. The green square is all notes and background information. Um, and this thing goes, and this is the, the kind of thing that if you want to go into some really, like you want to study like a verse, like you want to take an hour and read one verse and know everything you could possibly know about that verse, uh, about the languages and stuff. I, I could spend an hour just reading like five verses with this thing. Um, it's really cool. Um, so those are a couple of good resources. And then another one that, that I don't own, and I, but I've had a chance to look at, but I recommend the, the ESV study Bible. Um, so those are my top three. If you're looking for a study Bible, um, those are the three. And this ESV one is really cool. Um, it just, as far as, as giving you the information you need, um, that's a really good one. Look at that one. And then this other one here, okay, one more. I get really excited about these things. I don't know if you can tell or not. Um, this one is called, that's called the Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible. Um, this thing is, again, I don't own this one. I've seen somebody else's copy of it, and, and I've drooled over it because it's got maps and charts and information and pictures and um, archaeology stuff where they've dug up the ruins of, of ancient cities in the Bible and information about all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and it's, it's really cool. So, so if, if you need, if you want to know the background of the scripture you're reading, those are some really good resources. Um, and those are all kind of helpful to help understand that, that base level of what's going on in the Bible. I think that's important. Um, because I'm up here and I, I read scripture to you all once a week. And so you've got six other days of the week that I think that, that we should all be in God's word and trying to understand it. Um, so you've got, you've got your scripture, you understand the big picture, you understand the background and all of these details. Um, but what are you actually going to do with it? Right? Because we don't, we're not reading the Bible so that we can pass a test in school, right? That's not the point. We're not reading so that we can study history. Um, I mean, it's good to know. It's important. But we're reading this because we believe that this is God's word and it has an impact on the way we should live our lives. That's important. And so if you stop at that second level of the pyramid and you just read it to find out what it says, I think you're missing out on a lot. So the next level up that we build on is, is what we'd call the moral level, right? Or the application level. You've read the story, you understand it, you kind of know the background, and now you reflect on it and you say to yourself, how do I need to live my life differently now that I've read this passage of scripture? I think every time you read the Bible, at some point or another, you should stop and maybe pray or ask yourself, what do I need to be doing differently in my life after reading this verse, after reading this passage? I think if you don't do that, you're kind of missing the whole point of the book. Um, you can look at how you you can look at the characters in the in the story, right? The the people in the story. So, like when Moses does something, you should be asking yourself: Was the thing that Moses did right or wrong? Because sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes it just tells you a thing happened, especially in the Old Testament. And you're left wondering, like, well, it says that Moses did this thing. It says that Abraham did this thing, but it doesn't really comment on whether it was good or bad. Um, and so you've got to be able to kind of interpret and understand, well, this person in the story did this thing. And I think what was helpful when you're reading, especially in the Old Testament, is to have a solid understanding of the teachings of Christ. Um, everything that you read about in all of this part of Scripture should be filtered through these four books right here. Um, 
one of the things that drives me crazy, I'll see people that they'll take a passage in the Old Testament and they'll use that passage in the Old Testament in order to uphold um, their version of morality, what they think is right and wrong. Right? So, so as an example, like people will look at Abraham and Isaac and look at the fact that they all had multiple wives. And then they will use that passage in order to, to uphold their version of what they think marriage should be. Right? But we are not Abrahamians. We are not Isaacans. We are Christians. So I, I really don't care what Abraham did. I care what Jesus said about marriage. Right? My standard for what's right and wrong should not be based on what Abraham or Isaac or David or Saul did. It should be based on what Christ did and said because we are Christians. Um, and, and part of the reason why I put this moral understanding of Scripture on top of, of the literal and the big story picture in our pyramid um, and this is another important point, I think, is that you can't just take one part of Scripture and pull it out and ignore the rest of it and use that to build a framework of how you live your life. Right? I'm not allowed to just take this one verse and pull it out and say, okay, I'm going to ignore what the rest of this says and I'm just going to cherry pick this one verse and decide that that's how I'm going to live my life. Um, that can get you in some dangerous hot water. Um, if you have, you need to have a basic understanding of where things fit so you can kind of understand why is this scripture here in this part of the Bible and not in this part of the Bible, right? Uh, if you're reading these Old Testament passages, you have to ask yourself, who is he talking about, right? Is this some part of the law that applied to the ancient Israelites? Is this something that applies to my life today? Is this something that Jesus reinterpreted? Right? All of Matthew chapter 5 is Jesus taking the law and saying, you heard it said, um, you shall not murder. But I say, if you hate your brother or sister, you've already committed murder. Right? He's adding on to the law and making it more strict. In other places, um, Jesus says, you've heard it says, um, an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek, right? So Jesus is saying, this is applying to the Israelites and the judges, but I am telling you that you should read it this way. Um, and the other part is you have to understand, is this particular passage of Scripture meant for me specifically. So, for example, when we read in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, 1 Peter 2 and 3, we have what's called the household code. This is the part of Scripture that says, children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as your own body. And as you're reading that, that's a pretty clear indication that certain parts of the scripture are aimed at particular people, right? So children obey your parents is not meant to be read and used by parents to hold over the heads of their children, right? This is meant to be read by the children on how they should act. And the parents should be reading the part that applies to parents, Likewise, with husbands and wives, right? If you're reading along and you read, um, wives submit to your husbands, husband loves your wives, and you're looking at your spouse saying, yeah, you really should be doing that. Uh, I think you're missing the point a little bit. Um, you should focus on the parts that apply to you, right? If you're a husband, then you should spend your time and energy really reading the part that talks about what husbands should do and how they should be acting. Um, and, and the last important tool for 
for understanding how we should live our lives based on the scriptures. I think we need to be involved in the community of faith. Um, that's why the church exists. When we have questions about scripture or when we read something and we don't quite understand what it means or how we should be living our life, we have a body of believers to come together and we should be comfortable asking each other, hey, I don't understand what this means. And we should be able to ask one another um, how we should do, how we should live our lives. Um, and to, so we can grow in Christ together. Um, as far as resources go, um, I, I mean, I really, I really think the church is really important. Um, if you really want to buy something, which for this level of reading the Bible, I don't think you need to buy anything, right? I think you need to spend time in community. Um, but there is, there is a study Bible. This is called the Life Application Study Bible. Um, these are really popular. Um, I left this one out of the last list of study Bibles because this has nothing to do with historical background, right? This is, like the word says, life application. Um, and that's got a lot of good resources on, on Christian doctrine and how, how we act and, and all those sorts of things. Um, for that, for that moral level. And then the next level on top of that, which I feel like you're, we're starting to get this complete view of how we should read Scripture, right? Um, but when we build on top of that, I think the important thing we need to remember is, oh, I can't read that. It's horrible. Pointing to Jesus is what it says. We need to be looking at how each part of Scripture points us back to Christ. Um. This is that fingerprints thing that we've been practicing for the past, you know, several weeks. Um, if we believe that this is the word of God, and if we believe that God authored this book with Jesus as the point of the story, we should be able to see Christ in between the lines of, of almost everything we read. Um, and be centered in Christ as we're reading scripture. Um, so there's a couple of tools that I use in order to help me find those connections to Christ. Um, if you have a Bible that's got cross-references, that can be really helpful. Um, so let me show you a picture here. This is what I mean by cross-references. I don't know if you can see that. So I'm going to stand up. So you have... Y'all are over here. Sorry. <laughs> you got the Bible on the right, the big actual text, and then in that middle, that column is all cross-references pointing you to other parts of Scripture. And you can, you can do wonders by, excuse me, having a Bible that has those cross-references where, you know, you'll be reading along and you'll read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it'll, it'll have a little note that says, see John 1, 1. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. So then you turn over to John 1, 1, and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. And you're like, oh, okay, I didn't realize there was that connection there. And then next to John 1, 1, it'll say, see Isaiah 55. And then you're like, okay, and then you go back to Isaiah 55, and you read that, and then Isaiah 55 points you to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And so you can just go on and on and on, spending hours not reading any Bible because you keep going from one point to the other, but you're seeing all of those connections um, in God's Word, which is really cool. Um, so our pyramid, if you notice in our picture, our pyramid's missing one, one point. Um, you started with the, with the grand story, right? You built up, you understand the history of what's going on, you understand how you should live your life, you understand how everything points back to Christ, and you get to the final layer, and I really didn't know what to call this one, but this is the, this is the one, the, the, the layer of beliefs or doctrine, right? This is what I would call the icing on the cake. This is the big picture view of how you should understand your beliefs as a Christian, right? These are these big picture ideas about salvation, 
and and God and what is the nature of God and who is he like and how do we get to heaven and faith and, and all of these things that people have thought about for years and years and years. But I think when we start as the Bible with the Bible as our guide and we build up to that, we can have a lot better, easier time understanding these big picture Christian questions. Right, because throughout history, people have thought about all of these things of what is God like and, and what is the way you get to heaven and all these things. And, and if, you, if you start with this as your guide, this has everything you need to know. You don't need all those traditions. You don't need a denomination telling you. You don't need any of this structure. You, you've got the book, right? We've all got the book. Um. And I've mentioned a couple times already why it's important to build on these layers like this, right? I can't count how many times that I've heard somebody describe to me a, a, a faith question or a doctrine question, and, and what they've done is they've taken one verse out of context, and they've pulled out that one verse, and they've used that to define their entire faith. That's not reading the Bible. That's reading a verse. Um, there are, are groups who have built entire religious religions, entire denominations off of one verse that they plucked out. Um, I feel like if God wanted us to have a faith that was built on one verse, he would have just given us one verse. Does that kind of make sense? My sermons would be a lot shorter. <laughs> it would probably, we'd, be, we'd get a bit of lunch sooner, but, but that's not building a faith, right? And so you've got the Bible, you've got the whole big picture, and I think the, the main point I want to get across to you today is, is I think we need to be studying this and building our faith upon this and knowing the ins and outs of every word that God gives us. Um, okay, I told you I wanted to have a conversation, and then I just spent like 20 minutes blabbing at you. So what I, what I would like to do for the last couple minutes here, before I want to read a psalm to you all, um, is I want to open it up to you all, and... And I want to hear from you what has helped you read God's word better. Um, aside from just, I mean, and maybe you're, you'll say, like, I just sit down and read it. I don't know what you're talking about. This is a waste of my time. Just open it and read the dang thing. That's great. Um, but if you've got a, a tip or a, or a resource or maybe a prayer method that has helped you read God's word better, I would love if you guys could shout them out and share them with the group so that we could all grow together. Put everyone on the spot. I've tried to read it. Why well, I have read it several times, but it's like it's not chronological. It's read it's the book that's read the Bible in a year. Yeah. And I don't like it. So I'm not okay. positive. But it takes like the it starts with the old testament and you read a few pages and then you read some Psalms and some Proverbs and then the New Testament. Each day you read a little bit of those. Yeah. But after and I've never quite grasped at all, even after doing it every year or several years. So that's why I was excited about your Bible in chronological. Yeah. Because that's going to help me figure out what I've read in a second. I mean, this helps me actually read it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's but what's cool about that though? I don't want to knock that of, of breaking the Bible up and reading Old Testament Psalm Gospel letter or Old Testament Psalm Prophet Gospel, right? You you kind of get 
a little bit from each. And that's a really helpful way to read scripture. I think once you have that big picture view and you know where everything fits, um, that can help. Because, look, I mean, I read, I, I, I do this every day because it's my job. And even I get to some points where I'm reading lists of Israelite names. And I'm like, I don't, I need a break. And instead of taking a break from the Bible, maybe you just take a break from that chapter and go over here and read something that's a little more digestible. Um, so, I mean, that is helpful. Even if it hasn't been helpful for you, that is a helpful thing is breaking that up. Good, I like that. I've been reading the Life Application Study Bible. Okay. And um, I, I just, you know, I, about a year and a half ago, I decided... No, you've never really read the Bible yeah. cover to cover. Yeah. So that's where I started. I just started reading that. And but I really like where it references the scripture too, where it helps me to better understand how to apply it to my life. Yeah. And and, and it points out the really important important things to the scripture. Yeah. And um and that's what I've really appreciated about that Bible. But I'm glad to have a list of these other Bibles. I've never really known what Bibles to pick up. And so today's lesson has really helped me to know, you know, the different ones I can study from. Yeah. Now, I want to make, in a roundabout way, you kind of reminded me of something. When we're talking about, like, a study Bible, um, I think they're awesome resources with the one caveat that you need to understand is that the notes are not Bible. Okay. They are helpful. They are knowledgeable. They can help you understand, but that's not scripture. I think there's a lot of people who will read the like the life application one and some, you know, somebody wrote something that maybe was helpful to them, but then people will read the notes that the author wrote, and they'll start applying that to their lives as if it was the Bible. Well, those people can be wrong. You know, so I think there's a caveat to, like, take it for what it's worth. <laughs> um, if it's helpful, if you find it helpful, as long as you're not treating that part like it's Scripture, it's an aid to Scripture to help you read. Um but yeah, I mean, having those resources, and like I said, sometimes you read a part of scripture and you're like, I don't know, I didn't get anything from that because that's not helpful to me. I don't understand. And, and having somebody else's point of view to kind of shed light onto it can be helpful sometimes. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Ellen um, Christensen once said that um, when you read the Bible, it's the only book in the world that the author is actually there with you. And I, I love that. And the other thing is, when I'm reading, if, if I get stuck, I don't go on. I read it day after day after day until the Holy Spirit is giving me Oh, that's good. I like that. So you'll like you'll read a verse or a chapter, and you'll just do you just put it like if you get to a stuck point, do you just put your bookmark in and and close it, and then maybe spend some time in prayer and. Okay. Yeah. And what I love about what you just said, it, as far as the author being there with you, is, is we have a, the powerful tool of prayer available to us. Um, one of the things that admittedly I'm not as good at that I should probably be getting better at is spending time in prayer before, during, and after reading Scripture. Um, and this is me... You know, being vulnerable to y'all, I sometimes get into the mode of, okay, it's Monday, I've got a sermon to prepare, I better get my Bible, and I better get my resources, and I better start making an outline, and all of this stuff. And sometimes I forget to just stop and, and say, God, breathe life into me through your word. Help me to understand what it is that you want me to know through these scriptures. Um, and so, yeah, spending that spiritual time with God is crucial. 
And then I love, like you said, um, if, if you get stuck on a part, don't just, don't just keep going over it. Like, spend a week on that one chapter. Um, or longer, yeah. Um, I, I, I know before, usually before I fall asleep, I'll either, if, if there's a passage of scripture that I've been going through or a psalm, um, you know, I'll, if I've read it enough times that I can memorize it, I'll just repeat that. You know, I'll repeat, I'll, I'll repeat uh, Psalm 23 to myself a lot, just over and over. And sometimes I'll say, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, and then I will just sit there in prayer on what does it mean for God to be my shepherd? And I'll just sit and focus on that one, that one line over and over. Um, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. Who else? School, I wanted to get. Well, we had a youth minister at the time who challenged us to read through the whole Bible in a summer, and I was like, oh, "That's a lot." And he's like, "Just sit down and start reading it," and I was like, "Yeah, okay." But what that did prompt me to do was realize that I do need to get in the habit of reading every day. But I was like, "Well, that just seems like a drudgery." One of my later that you know my New Year's resolution was I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read one chapter every day. Yeah. And I'm just going to start reading through, but I'm only going to read one chapter. Instead of trying to cover the whole Bible in a year, I'm just going to read one chapter, and one chapter, and one chapter, or at least one chapter. Yeah. And then I gave myself <coughs> 30 cheat days. Yeah. And I said, throughout the year, if there is a day where it is midnight, and I've been cheating cows all day, and I'm like, I don't care if I read it right now, I'm not getting out of it. I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. But I'm not going to let that just negate. Oh, I skipped today. Forget it. Never mind. Yeah. So I, I kept track on my calendar, and by the end of the year, yeah, I, I had allowed myself those 30 cheat days, but every other day of the year, I had read at least one chapter of the book. Yeah. And that that has helped like, me. I enjoyed it for the time I did it. I'm not saying that that's something that I should do for the rest of my life. I am. I think you should do that for the rest of your life. I'll go ahead and say it. I think that's a good thing you should do every day for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's building habits. Right? It, it, it's one of the things, and that, and that kind of reminded me of, when I'm standing in line somewhere, these things are great, right? These little pockets. If you can get one that you can read, some of them are tiny. When I'm standing in line somewhere at the bank or whatever, you're just kind of sitting there waiting, like, what are you doing? You know, if you're if you're a smartphone person, I'm usually like this. And and I need to get a new one because mine a couple pages fell out, but I had one of these pocket New Testaments that I would keep in the same pocket that my phone was in. So that whenever I reached in to grab my phone out of my pocket, I would feel that Bible there. And then it was almost, like like you said, building those habits. And it was almost like I guilted, I shamed myself. Because I would reach in and I would feel that Bible. And I would go, oh, I could look at my phone. Or I could probably read God's Word. And then you, know, and then you pull it out and you have that habit because you have it with you all the time. Um, so yeah, building those habits is awesome and having that. One more, unless anybody is, is really, really wanting to share, and then I wanted to, I wanted to read uh, a psalm with you, and I wanted to kind of apply our pyramid method today. So one of my Yeah, and we're, I mean, we live with each other, and we, it, we'll read the same scripture, and 
and we'll read the exact same words and we'll both say like, we notice different things about it. My favorite saying is if you gave 10 Christians a verse in the Bible, they'll give you 11 different explanations of it. And, and so that's why, I mean, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I mean, we could all read the same passage of Scripture and have 14 different eyes on it, shedding light on it, and we're that much closer to knowing and understanding it. Well, cool. What I, what I want to do, because I didn't read any scripture today, and I feel like that's a crime. So I would love it if you guys would open up to Psalm 1. And, and I want to just really briefly kind of do this, this pyramid thing. Um, and I want to read Psalm 1 and, and, and kind of help us understand it. Um, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. So we start at the bottom, right? We've got our big picture view. The, most of the Psalms, at least the early Psalms, were written by David. Right? So we're we're talking about something who was something that was written in that that brief period of time where Israel was a united kingdom and they were kind of, sort of, on track and doing the right thing. Um, in the terms of, of history of the people of Israel, like this was the high point. It was very short, but it was like that one moment where they were kind of on track. And then it, it d d dissolved quickly after that. Um, but the, but the, the first psalm is written as an introduction to the rest of the book of Psalms and, and really as an introduction to what it means to be a follower of God. And so right off the bat, you're set up with a choice. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take, right? Here's one choice. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And I love the fact that it says his delight is in the law of the Lord. Right? Reading God's word should bring you joy. And then he says, and who meditates on his law day and night. This is, this is something that we should, like you talked about, spending time in prayer with God. When you read a passage of scripture, we should be meditating on it. We should be reading it and praying about it and thinking about it day and night, studying it again and again and again. And then verse 3 says, that person, the one who meditates on God's law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So we've got our, our moral application. We've got our, you know, we're choosing God or not God. Does anybody see the fingerprints of Jesus in those first couple of verses there? I think that very first word, blessed is the one. Doesn't Jesus spend like an entire chapter saying, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the... And we hear in Psalms, we see that same thing. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. I mean, it's, they're saying the same thing. Jesus just took this Psalm 1-1 and expanded it. And then he says, God's law will make you like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in season. Um, that's exactly the description that we get in Revelation chapter 22 of what the kingdom of God is like. He says, the angel showed me a river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations. So we see that this connection between the kingdom of God described to us in Revelation and what the psalmist tells us that reading God's word is like. 
Because this book flows from the mouth of God. It gives us life. And then in verse 4, we get the alternative. It says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Right? So when it comes to our doctrine, when it comes to our faith, those big picture questions on the top of the pyramid, the Bible, when you really boil it down to it, it gives us one choice between God's way or not God's way. Like if you boiled it all down, it's choosing God or not. Everything we do revolves around that choice. That's the core of the gospel message, that we have the ability to choose to follow Christ or not. That's the question that's the pinnacle moment of every single person's life, whether or not they're going to follow Christ. And in verse 6 it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So we, we choose God. It's that simple, full choice, full stop. The choice is easy. Like If we don't choose God, he's going to leave us to our own devices. And when we're left to our own devices, the result is destruction. Um, my hope is that, that after reading this really short psalm that we can see that Choosing God, choosing his word, choosing to be in step with Christ is, is the pinnacle moment, and everything else follows from that. We have a relationship with the Son. If we choose him, he will watch over us um, all day, all night. Will you pray with me? Gracious Father, we're, we're thankful for your word. We're, we're thankful that you give us the breath in our lungs that we can use to proclaim your word to the nations. We're thankful that you give us the mind and the ears and the eyes to study your word. We're thankful that you have made us in such a way that we can read your book to us and understand it and apply it to our lives, Lord. As we go on throughout our week, we ask that you would help us to, to build those habits with one another. We ask that you would help us to, to spend time in prayer with you and not just keep reading when we get stuck on stuff, but we ask that you would help us to meditate on your law day and night. I ask that you would help us to understand the big picture of your word. We ask that you would help us to gather in community and to read your scripture with one another to help understand it. And we ask that you would just help us to see Christ in our lives, in your word, and everything we do, we ask that you would help us to see Christ. And we pray this all in the name of your precious son, Jesus. And the church said, Amen. All right. Now I'd ask you for a moment, in a moment here, if you would stand, I'm going to sing a song of invitation. Um. This is a time where if you would like to choose Christ, um, this is the opportunity to do that. Uh, Jacob, would you be willing to, willing to run the slides? Appreciate that.